episode 117, dated Saturday the 8th of August 2009, Some Other Castle. You're listening to Digital Cowboys. News, reviews, discussions and uncensored opinions on the world of video games. You're a game company. That's why you make Mario. So if they carry on making a new Mario game, new Zelda game, the stuff that we've come to rely on, that's all well and good. But the one thing they forgot to show in this conference was anything for that demographic. Move to the next section, you shoot all the guys there, you move to the next section. What other shooter doesn't do this? But it's what they do with the AI to make those shooting sections interesting. I mean, One of the achievements is play it for more than 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) When we do an imitation of a Ponzi Brit, do we sound as bad? Yes. yes. <laughs> I am actually sitting here drinking tea as yeah. we're doing this podcast. Is there a trend in the industry you wish you could do away with? Activision. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Alex Shaw. I'm Tony Atkins. Welcome to the Digital Cowboy, baby. We're equal opportunists. We shoot women's too. This week, we are very proud and a little bit excited to have on our show... Persona obsessive, kitten huffing, hard fighting, man shooting, divorce happy, fox hunting, only just discovered Halo in some cases, and very often pantsless, Elaine Stryker and Leah Haydu from some other castle, and we're all here to talk about video games. Video games! We're How many already. in jokes was that in like five seconds? I, oh think my, you got, I lost count. I, think you I got ran out of fingers. I was cracking up. I'm sorry. I had a moment. And Leah is wearing pants for the internet. I, I am. I okay. am. Okay. I'm notching that one up. Ladies, it's an absolute pleasure. I've been listening to your podcast for weeks now, and I have to say, it's become one of my favorites. Really. We're really. <laughs> it's a same day listen, and only the f- a few shows can actually lay claim to that title. Now, pimp your show. For those listeners who haven't yet tuned in, sizzle yourselves. Oh man, really? Like, I think your intro did it. I'm, I don't think I can do better than that. <laughs> that, that was pretty much our show in 10 seconds or less. <laughs> pretty true. Yeah, so, just... if you, you can find us at someothercastle.com on the internet. And we're, I mean, it's Leah and myself, and pre- that's pretty much it, week to week. About an hour long, and we talk about, we talk about video games. Yes, and we do. Video and games. Terrible <laughs> movies, terrible video game related movies, and drinking. That sounds about right. Yeah, right? we're, we're, uh, we drink a lot. <laughs> we drink, we play video games, and yeah, we have boobs. It, it, it all just kind of ties together, I, I think. I didn't right? put boob obsessed, damn it. That's <laughs> right. You really missed out on that one, because we do talk That's about pretty, boobs. We, we do. I didn't mention drinking. Pretty, right. uh, pretty frequently. Much over the last few weeks, Alex, we've been talking about big boobs in our podcast. Yes, that was over something completely different. We'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Right, some other castle recently gained admittance to Platform Nation, the very same fine collaboration of shows centering around one excellent news and reviews based site, replete with forums and opinions of plenty that houses Game Hounds, The Married Gamers, and several other top quality shows. As Yay. it so happens, after months of planning, discussion, shameless self-promotion and getting to know some of the fine people at PN, we ourselves are very proud to announce for the first time here and now, right on this podcast, that we have also joined Platform Nation. Congratulations! I'm excited. I, I'm I'm so excited. So it, we're the newbies. Very... <laughs> yeah, you yeah. guys are the new kids. We're not the new kids. Yeah. Hey, awesome. We stepped up. Yeah. Now where's your I lunch guess. money? It's yeah, it's kinda of like the stone cutters. <laughs> you guys are like the the next number up from us and we you basically have to paddle us until someone else turns up from beneath us. I like the way <laughs> this sounds. <laughs> many, right. Many, many thanks go out to Edie Sellers who's been working away tirelessly behind the scenes to get us in, and Stephen Artlip who runs the site for his support, and everyone on the team who gave us their confidence. We're genuinely happy to be in the gang and we will do our best to spread the word and do you guys proud now this week 
We are utilizing the girls' considerable expertise to discuss movies based on video games and hopefully ascertain why they're consistently and unfailingly sucky. First up, the news with my very good friend and co-host, Tony Atkins. News. Sony ramping up PS3 production for dot 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 something. All over the internet the last couple of days has been companies talking about how all the uh, Sony are discontinuing, discontinuing the the current generation of the PS3. So basically, stock is drying up. You know, they cannot order any more of the 80 gigs or 60 gigs or whatever iteration is available in your part of the world because we've got about five here. I don't know about the states. Um, yeah, and it, it just looks like the pipeline is now starting to dry up of the current generation of PS3. Now this will mean something well this could mean two things that sony just want to discontinue the ps3 altogether some people may think that's a good idea not me personally or that they have some other new device coming into the market so whether it's a i don't know 2000 gigabyte ps3 or the ps3 or the the playstation 3 slim by any chance will it not use as much power as my refrigerator maybe (laughs) like i would love that i'm with that oh I'm still trying to work out what they could remove from this thing to actually make it slimmer and and reduce costs. Well, they've gotten their manufacturing costs down by 70% at this point. Now, why they would go and manufacture something new in that situation, I do not know. But Sony, they're Sony and Sony. Sony's special. Not not the smartest decision makers. Um, I suppose that they could have gotten better at cooling this thing without the need for 8 million nuclear-powered fans perhaps. Um, that's the only thing I could think of. I don't think they can pull anything else out. Well, I, I think the reason for this is, you know, if you, you're maybe looking for some sort of announcement come August. I mean, when's Tokyo Game Show? Is that? November, is it? September? Yeah, I think it is between there. I think it is September. Um, I think you're going to see something announced about the, maybe this PS3 Slim come the Tokyo Game Show. They can stand up stage. And I, the reason for it, of course... Is it's it's going to be a you know a shot in the arm for them. It's it's going to be look we have a new SKU. Look at this wonderful almost new piece of kit. It's slimmer. It worked for the PlayStation 2. Let's face it, they sold a ton more as and when they did that. Cheaper production costs. They can then obviously bundle in uh, Japan a copy of Final Fantasy 13, which is still due out of the, this year uh, that side of the world. Um, and I, you know I, I think this is a real big push from Sony to say look you know we're still serious about this. We want this console to be number one in the market. And we see this as, you know, hitting the reset button. Um, I mean, I could, there's tons of sources out there talking about how there's, you know, a million chips being, uh, pushed through production that weren't being pushed through, you know, this time last year. Um, there's, there's talk of Amazon running out of stock and that literally talk across all different continents as well. So it, this actually looks like something is actually going to happen this time rather than just the, the speculation and rumor that we've been hearing, you know, for the last guys, six months now, it feels like. So. Do you know what really worries me? If they follow the same design document as the uh, PSP Go, it'll be smaller, slimmer, sleeker, sexier, awesome, best new version of the, uh, of the, the original console. However, they'll strip away things that you really like and charge you the same amount as it was on release and go, there you go, that'll save us financially. 
Yeah, they've already done that, too. Like, I cannot tell you how many people that I know who are like, why can't I get PS2 emulation in my PS3? Uh Isn't that like 99 cents now? I'm like, yeah, it should be. They're Ah. selling PS2s for nothing. Everything seems to be sort of uh, falling into place for them actually adding some sort of uh, maybe like software or firmware download for PS2 compatibility. So that'll probably launch with this thing as well. And obviously, they wouldn't have mentioned this at E3 because everyone would be like, what? I'm not buying that PS3, not until November. So Mm -hmm. it's a kiss goodbye to half a year's worth of sales. Well, I'm, I'm putting my bet out there. By the end of the year, there will be a PlayStation Slim in the yeah, in your home. Well, not in our homes. We already own it. Okay, so guessing, ladies, $100 less, $50 less, $10 less? I'm guessing $0 less. Exactly. Yeah. $0 less? Really? They have been no price drop. Yeah, they won't price drop. They've, they've, now they've dug themselves the hole. Now what they're going to do is they're going to do what they did with the PSP Go and, and say, look, it's, it's, it's sexier. It's the same price. You go really? Buy so it's I just like, so. you know, okay, so you wouldn't pay uh, $400 for this one. Yeah, but How about this one? It's no, the same but, thing. But, no, but it's the imagining of value. Because it's such a new piece of kit, you're like, oh, this you know, it's brand new. It's like the PSP. Oh, it's brand new. It plays the same games. It's not new hardware, but it just looks new. It looks fresh. It's like it's enough for people to jump on. Was there a price drop when they released the uh, PS2 Slim model? I don't no, I no, I, I think they think dumped so. the PS... I, now someone's going to call me out and tell me that I'm an idiot, but I'm pretty sure that they dumped the PS2 Slim <laughs> right to the same price, but I don't remember either. See, mm. I, don't, I just don't know that this is going to have the same effect, because, yeah, the PS2 Slim did really well, but the PS2 original model didn't have six iterations before they went to the Slim. True. And the PS2 original model was doing gangbusters beforehand anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, and it had they, great software. They hit the ground running. And they had amazing software. Like, they were the software leader at that point. They could do whatever the hell they wanted at that point. Now it's really not the same situation. I play a lot of PS2 games on my PS3. Me too. But yeah, if I was going to buy a PS2 Slim, or a PS3 Slim, then it might not have that capability, so. Right. Wow. Let's not get into the discussion of uh, the fact that it should be backwards compatible from the very start and never be take away, but hey. I don't even want to be discussion. We've had that conversation. (laughs) Okay. Movies based on games. I have four core questions here that we can tackle in turn. Okay, why were they so bad in the 90s? Why are they so bad now? What would it take to make a good film based on a video game? And name your dream project. So, I don't really want to go through the list because we all hate lists. But, you guys, you're becoming seasoned veterans at seeing these crappy, crappy movies. You started, you started like Super Mario Brothers and like start working yeah. or something. Yeah, we did. It's the worst movie ever, I think, actually. No, I don't know, bad. man. The Legend of Chun Li. Oh, yeah, that was really bad. I, I think that was worse. I blocked that one out. Um. So, why? Why were they so bad in the 90s? Just focus on the early ones to start with. That's a hard question. So, they weren't in the 90s. They were not all. Okay, let yes, me. Yes, they were. Point. <laughs> Mortal Kombat was not a bad film. I, I like it, Mortal Kombat, but it's yes. a bad film. Well, okay, so it's a bad movie, but it's a good video game movie, and that does not say a lot for video so, game movies. Um, your soul is mine. Sorry. <laughs> yes. I think that a lot of the reason they were terrible in the 90s is because I think that the people who were making these films were just trying to cash in, and uh, and they didn't really understand the video games themselves. And the video games in the 90s weren't exactly notorious for having mind-blowing stories. Yeah, uh, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking. You, you know... 
making a movie out of Super Mario Brothers, look at what you're working with. <laughs> Why would you choose this in the first place? You know, you Hashtag, have plumbers yeah. who are fighting turtles, and it's... It, Don't forget it, the bombs. Oh, yeah, with... with what was it, Reeboks? Reeboks, <laughs> yeah. yes. I will never forget. Oh, God. But, yeah, I, I think I think that was a big part of it. I, I, first of all, because they didn't really have a precedent to look back on, not that that seems to have helped much, <laughs> but, um, you know, they didn't... They were feeling out new territory. They wanted to make money, and you know they they were working with stuff that maybe wasn't the best script fodder to begin with. Unless you were high on LSD, perhaps. I, yeah, I mean Mario maybe Brothers, then. maybe, maybe. So I think they were just making them, and they were thinking, right, these are, only kids are going to want to see these, specifically Super Mario Brothers, uh, mm. and then they were thinking, you know what, kids are. Dumbasses. I think Noah Vanderhoff from Wayne's World said, you know, kids know dick, you know, basically produced these movies. And, um, and, and, you know, they just thought, who cares? It's for kids. We don't even really need to try. And they didn't. And, um, I think the, the pervading feeling in Hollywood appears to be that these are just, you know, the movies that are being made now are for the slightly older versions of the kids that they were patronizing in the 90s. Oh, they're so, all grown up. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's give them Hitman. Right. So anyway, so we got Super Mario Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to me, at least, Street Fighter Two, the animated one, is fucking Citizen Kane compared to the rest of them. <laughs> it's the most amazing movie of all time if you stack it up against everything else that we have yeah. to talk about here. With Silent Hill being a very close second, it was really? not a bad film. Yeah. It was not a bad film, uh, and especially if you like the Silent Hill games. Uh, okay. No, yeah, I, I actually did. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then next on the list, Max Payne, in order of goodness. Now think about that. <laughs> I haven't seen Max Payne yet, but I did see Silent Hill. Do you think in the 90s there was a missed opportunity for doing a, uh, a Sonic movie? I mean, we had the Mario movie. Could you imagine how bad a Sonic movie could have been? Think about the nightmares the children would have had. Like, I saw Mario when I was a kid, because I was a kid, and I was a stupid kid. And I had nightmares for, like, a month, because Koopa was horrifying. Yeah, he was really scary. Did you see his hair? Oh, no. I mean, really, how are you going to make a blue hedgehog that, oh, ooh, no. It's terrifying. I don't even want to think about that. Well, at the time, I would have said, how are you going to make a Super Mario Brothers film? And badly was obviously the answer. They could probably have done an animated version, even if it was Japanese. I mean, they made Pokemon, so why the hell not do Sonic? Well, they did have the TV series. And it was pretty awesome in the 80s, Mm. early 90s. All right. It wasn't awesome, but look, it wasn't (laughs) that bad, okay? Okay, and I think they made Street Fighter again with kids in mind, the uh, the Van Damme one. I'm going to kick Bison's ass. ass. (laughs) (laughs) He he makes me want to punch him every time that scene comes on. You know what? One of the last films he did before Street Fighter was Adam's Family Values. He should have jumped off a bridge straight afterwards, because that is a great film. And he should have gone nowhere near this piece of crap. I, uh, I think just the the, the the volatile reinterpretations of Street Fighter characters. Hey, Chun Li's a secret agent, and she's a reporter, and we got E Honda. He's her cameraman. It's like, they, it, I imagine most of the plot uh, points in the film were, were decided in one meeting with a flowchart, and like they were just drawing on it, and they were drunk, and they were going, right, uh, Charlie, he's Blanca. Yeah, that makes right. sense. What? Totally. Bison is totally Van Damme's father. I mean, wait, that one doesn't make any sense. It has to come out. <laughs> Damn drunks. Oh. Ruining my um, childhood. And on top of that, Kylie Minogue, just to, to finish it off. Do you know who actually looked kind of like his character and it almost almost was? Zangief. That one actually flew for me. And he was actually the best actor in that movie. Like, let's have let's have a moment to ponder that. Yes. Have you guys <laughs> yeah. seen the um the Street Fighter Reunion YouTube thing? It's uh college humor or something like that. It's it's that 
is hilarious. Yeah, compared and, with both, well, all Street Fighter films, apart from the animated one, it's, yeah, it's yeah, brilliant. It's really good. At least they I know the damn the game. Fighter. Yes, at least they understand what they're making fun of. And here is another you know, secret question. Why the hell don't they have someone on set who actually played the game? Because it, it appears, in fact, almost without exception throughout this whole thing, Silent Hill being the only one uh, aside, that no one on the production actually played or liked the games. Or any of the actors, mm. or the guy who gets coffee, or anyone. <laughs> yeah, but, like, yeah. Anyone. We, we don't know that for sure. I'm pretty sure a lot of these... A lot of these films go with good intentions, but what we got to actually look at ourselves is, it was, what do you take out of a video game to actually put into a film? And this is where we, we really have to pigeonhole what games can actually lend films. I think films can lend games with plenty, you know, scripts for one would be a good idea. Mm. Um, just the, well, the ability to bring better acting and, and, you know, stuff like Pixar and, what, and whatnot. But what can games actually take over to films? What, what is the translation of a game? That's a good question. I, I've been thinking about that a lot, like, ever since, you know, we had this conversation about doing this episode, and I, I don't think there is anything. Like, and the reason I say that is that games center, in a lot of ways, around being interactive media, and they're good because of that. But the problem is when you take away that interactivity, you get shit, like Street Fighter the movie. <laughs> and, you know, it's because you can you can have completely ridiculous situations in games that are amazing because you get to play them. I mean, I'm talking to a fox in a video game, like having mm. a conversation. Like, that's fine because he sells me things and he's useful to me. In a movie, that's not going to play. Like, you need and, that but, interaction. And even if it does play, it plays for, like, one scene really quickly because it's just, right. it's like, uh, you know, that's not going to work as a narrative for, throughout the film. It's going to make people just go, what? I'm, I'm not going to sit here. And, I mean, it may work in Japan, but, you know, certainly here... Not a, not a chance. It's not gonna not gonna fly. Right. I, I really do feel like games is as a storytelling medium are pretty new, and they still do a pretty poor job of it overall. Some of them do a decent job, but like compared to movies, not so much. Um, so if you take away their interactivity and then try to make them into films based on their stories, you you can see how that's worked out. It's hard because they're not really all that great when you're not playing the game. Yeah. Even by 90s standards, these games have incredibly thin plots. And then you move on, and everything in the noughts... Uh, do we call them the noughties? What are the we noughties, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Tomb Raider, uh, Resident Evil, Doom, uh, DOA, Hit- Hitman, Max Payne... I mean, I suppose, actually, take away Max Payne from that lot. These are all fairly thin in terms of plot. Resident mm-hmm. Evil, specifically, as much as we, you know, I, I love the Resident Evil games, the acting in-, in those games, even the later ones, is fucking shocking. It's terrible to actually oh, yeah. see someone on screen acting well in Resident Evil. I'd be like, well, what is this? What am I watching? Because it ain't <laughs> Resident Evil. We need, you know, Barry. Where's Barry? Well, I'm sorry, but he's probably... <laughs> but you see, what they, what they do with the Resident Evil, and they, they're in a difficult position, uh, situation because they can just take Resident Evil and if you look at it, it's a bare basic form. It's a, it's a zombie movie. I mean, Hollywood knows how to make zombie movies. Indeed. So what they do, they just take a generic zombie movie that is easy and cheap to make and bring in a, a crap director. Yes, Paul Thomas Anderson. We're looking Paul W.S. and uh, not confusing yeah, director yeah. of Boogie Nights. God Fantastic say. director. Um, and then they just they they bring in the you know the very very thin plot and the characters that you know and and but that's about it. There's very little recognition between the actual game and the film and what is in there is really threadbare and because nobody. 
they they want to get both gamers and people in, you know, just normal paying public, and they 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 face alienating both sections of them. If they make it too gamey, the public will going to go, I don't care about this, this is rubbish, you know, it's, it's just like a video game. And if they don't make it gamey enough, we all complain. So, well, it, it has no representation of the video game whatsoever. Why do I care? So they just make a poor film instead. Great. But the thing that baffles me about Resident Evil is the first film, sorry, the first game is just would fit very neatly into a two-hour film. Just make that. What the hell? Why are they making all this shit up? And, you know, go, oh, I don't know, Alice, Kung Fu, kicks a dog. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, so that they could carry it through five movies. You see, Code Veronica is another is another one of the Resident Evil games that fits very compactly into a, yeah. into a movie form. But the problem is that the crap in between the two is difficult for movies. And also the fact that you spend all of those games finding the rooster key and putting it in the henlock and then... Well, they could, they could allude to that. But basically it right. could just be a journey through the house and then into the, uh, the lab right. and then fight the tyrant. It's not difficult. I mean, it's, it's there for you, bare bones. They, they decided to make their own because like, we can do better. And they didn't. So there you go. True. Um, oh, uh, should we talk about Advent Children briefly? Because of all of these ones, I really actually like Advent Children. It's, it's just a collection of scenes... It's a collection of action scenes, you know, 15 or so, a fight followed by a motorbike chase, by a, followed by a fight on a motorbike with, a, you know, some sort of explosion. And then a giant thing turns up and everyone fights the thing and then another motorbike chase and another fight and then another fight. And... So- <laughs> Final Fantasy, then. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's why it works, <laughs> right. because, you know, this is pretty much what a Final Fantasy game is. If you oh, strip the out one, the level grinding. You, yeah, you strip out the level grinding, and that's what you have. The one thing it didn't have was, you know, Cloud walking into an empty space and then going, oh, God, now I have to fight someone, and then stopping, <laughs> but, twirling a sword, and then doing it again. Do you think it honestly works? I mean, if you show that to somebody that hasn't played a Final Fantasy game... Oh, it's a tech I mean, demo. it's a narrative mess. It's all over the place. The fact that I had to There's re-release narrative? it again... Well, exactly, re-release it again to bring some sort of narrative in there. 24 I, minutes worth of discussions about Genova, I would imagine. <laughs> Probably. Genova, the I, seed of life. Yeah. It works as a video game movie, but emphasis on the video game rather mm-hmm. than the movie. Yeah. And it's an accompaniment those... rather than a... Uh, it doesn't work as a movie on its own. No, no, not at all. Yeah, no, if you if you showed that to somebody who had never heard of Final Fantasy and didn't give a shit about it, then they they would not get it. They would not care. Mm. Um, but I mean, for for those of us like me who have a, a little teeny bit of an obsession, it's it's you know, it works really well. It's visually it's gorgeous and it it leaves you kind of leaves you kind of wanting to, to see what else is going to happen. Do you think anything. one of the, one of the reasons it works because it's actually CG and not live action? I was yeah. going to bring up that point. Like, yeah. put actors in those roles and think about the bad things that are going to happen. Well, first oh. of all, there would be the sword. <laughs> he can't carry that. <laughs> and that you wouldn't be able to put actors through those fights. I mean, those were right. awesome. But I, I, what I did not see was Cloud taking four steps forwards, whacking someone and stepping back. I mean, it was so far beyond what the original fights. It was, you know, a, a massive reinterpretation of the fights. I wasn't complaining at all. It was awesome. Um, but it's like everyone was doing limit breaks all the time. So, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I can only hope the next Final Fantasy game will be like that as well. <laughs> I, I, I would think no, but you yeah. know, <laughs> just saying. I, yeah, I think part of the reason that that one and the Street Fighter animated movie work is because they're animated. So all you need are people who are very good at voice acting. And there are a lot of actors out there who are phenomenal voice actors who are not actually actors, like, you know, live actors yeah. who are really good to like, you know, the Persona games are a really good example of that. Like, they're really good. And just animate these movies. 
it's just a better move. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's the only way we can fix it at this point. I mean, that way you're at least bringing it one step closer. Yeah, right. I mean, you could use the you know, in most cases, the actual original in-game graphics. I mean, Resident Evil Degeneration may as well have been attached to uh, Resident Evil Five. Right, mm-hmm. and you don't have to worry about like choreographing fight scenes that look realistic because it's animated, yes. and they don't need to because they shouldn't. It just shouldn't. A pussy burning, looking so satisfied. A pussy burning, looking so satisfied. I'm lost in his little yellow round eye. Lost in his little yellow round eye. Pussy burning, looking so satisfied. A kitty wrap and scratch me through my jeans. <laughs> Scratch me through my jeans <laughs> Fuck you kitty, you're gonna spend the night no. Fuck you kitty, you're gonna spend the night no. Fuck you kitty, you're gonna spend the night Outside! Well, I, th- I think one of the prime examples of this is when they were all this talk about the Halo movie it was uh, you know kicking about and then they released the Halo shorts um, and you know what? I mean, it was fun to see Halo brought to life but it just looked wrong. It was just, oh... Did it? Oh, it did to me. It, well, one, I, I think it didn't help because it was quite cheap production. Um, you know, given a bit more time and a bit more money, and then it may look fantastic. But to me, it was like this franchise doesn't need to be a film. What it does need to be is some sort of fantastic CGI film, like they do actually in the games. I would go and watch that. I think that would be fantastic. It's one of the reasons that the you know the world you know the world. We don't even know if it's going to call World of Warcraft the Warcraft movie that is, is due out. I'm just scared shitless that you know it's live action. There's so many things that can go wrong there. If someone had told me, you know what, it's going to be CG uh, done by you know the Blizzard guys and, and all the CG yeah. you see at the start of those games, oh my god, I'm there. I'm day one paying money. I'm mm-hmm. there going to the midnight show. You'll be there day one action. paying money anyway, won't you? I'm still going to be there, of course. What? But I just there's so many things that can go wrong. With transferring all that game ideas and the assets into live actions, and it's step not one: about- making realistic night elves. Those going to happen. Those production meetings must be amazing oh to sit God. in. So, how big do the ears have to be exactly? Because we need to make these. Yeah, well, Sam Raimi has already proved he doesn't handle uh, a project where loads of people are asking him to do things all at once very well. <laughs> Spider-Man yeah. 3, and that, it was yeah. just crammed with, oh, we've got to do this, we've got to do that, we've got to do that. No, we don't. We just have to do what's important to the story, and there was some of that in there. If you pared away all the shit from Spider-Man 3, it'd be about 45 minutes long, but it's basically about Peter and Harry. Anyway. I think uh, that brings up a valid point, though, about what makes modern video game movies terrible. They do try to cram a lot of crap into yes. them. All. Like, the Legend of Chun-Li was a phenomenal example of that. If you want to tell an origin story, fine. Hmm. Tell an origin story. Don't tell an origin story. <laughs> and change everything. Other... Yeah, and then change everything. And then add characters that are in there, like Vega, for 10 seconds, then then get the crap beat out of them by a girl in a terrible fight. And just, like, pare it down. I don't need them all. Just make the few characters you put in not suck. And when was Bison Irish? <laughs> Faith Never. and Bigora, I'm going to do a psycho crusher on you. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Did Chun Lee get a shower scene? No, not Fail. in this one. Epic yeah, fail. Right. I mean, I even agree, and I'm a chick. Like, I'm with you there, because it would have made the movie more interesting. But that fight with Vega in the animated one is fucking awesome. Love it. Right. See? You can't do that in a live-action movie, because it no, was really like, violent. It's and nasty, and he hits the woman. That's not allowed. But she Whatever. kicks his ass. She <laughs> smashes his face in. Through a wall. Oh, yeah. A brick wall. Oh, yeah. Like, she 100 foot kicks that bad boy. Right. Um... Dooms. Uh, let's just, okay. I want to avoid the list thing. DOA Dead or Alive. A bit of a joke. We have. We know someone who really 
Really likes this film. Really likes it. I, I think for certain qualities, Holly Valance, for example. <laughs> but, um, I mean, yeah. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. understandable. I you support know. that. Oh, Hit, Hitman drove me crazy. See, I, I really love the, the games, and there were, the games are all about the uh, Age of 47 subtly sneaking in, someone dying accidentally, apparently, and then him sneaking out, and it's like, wow, that was so perfectly timed. Oh, that was fucking awesome. It's mainly about trial and error. What Hitman is not about is charging in there, guns blazing, killing everyone, and being part of an organization that is so secret no one knows it exists. Hmm, you think that, that would make it difficult for business? I mean... <laughs> You know, like, yeah, if you're supposed to be secret, should you really be blowing shit up? Like, I'm just going to throw that out there. There was this bit when he he goes into that club, and it's like, my wife and I just said, right, okay, someone's going over the bar, he's going to pick, he's he's been strip-searched, and he's had to leave his weapons, but he's going in to meet a weapons dealer who's just put loads of guns on the table, so they're going up, and some dude's going into that fountain. And then all of those things happened in the next half minute, and then we high-fived it. But it was like a really depressing victory. It was like... Wow, oh. so fucking predictable. We oh. high five at not being able to predict that one scene in the club in Street Fighter Legend of Chun Li. You know the lesbian dancing scene that was oh, really yeah. awkward. Yeah, we thought there was going to be a fight. Totally didn't happen. Yeah, Weird. not quite. <laughs> also, victory in a terrible way. It's like, uh, this is bad. I, Hitman is Hitman's a problem for so many reasons, and it starts with the fact that I just don't love the casting for that movie. No. I don't love All the blow it, shit up. Too young. And, yes. And yeah. not buff enough. That sounds like a stupid thing to say, but he's just too skinny. Do you know who'd like, be really good as uh, Agent 47? Patrick Stewart. Oh, that dude is scary already. That oh, would yeah. work. Imagine an actual actor playing 47 going... But he doesn't have any lines, so that might be a bit of a problem. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, but that's the thing. He'd be totally silent and you're totally resolved. And there'd be none of that fucking bringing out samurai swords on a train and going, let's all fight like hitmen. No! That oh, let's a drop a piano on some dude's head completely by accident. Okay, yes. there's somebody we're forgetting, by the way, in all of this. You know who he is. That dude. German dude. Uwe Ball. Uwe Ball. Right, I don't even count. I've actually separated it's all of his movies into this separate thing. So you've got the 90s, the noughties, and the Uwe Ball films. <laughs> what Uwe Ball does is pay a small amount of money for a video game license. Basically, he must get them all at, like, bargain price because no one wants these, you know, to make into films. He makes the film. It makes just about enough money on DVD for him to make another film, and then he just continues this horrible cycle. So, I mean, House of the Dead, Alone in the Dark, Blood Rain and Blood Rain 2, Deliverance, Postal, and The Name of the King of Dungeons Seas Tale, and Far Cry. And all of them suck badly. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. so they're, they're just terrible. They're, they're worthless pieces of shit designed purely to continue this money cycle. And I think he's, he's giving video game movies a bad name. And someone needs to assassinate him before he can do any more damage. Seriously. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll have a boxing match with me and I can accidentally, you know, knock his head off. I'm just, <laughs> I would love you know. that. Oops. That'd be great. I will just choke him to death. That would be awesome. But doesn't this just highlight the problem? I mean, House of the Dead, you're never going to make a film of House of the Dead. I mean, once again, it's just a generic zombie flick, shoot people in the head and put House of the Dead on the front and sell it to a few more people. In Postal, terrible game. Blood Rain, who really cares? Alone in the Dark, possibly. Okay, Alone in the Dark could have been good. That was the first game was was not a terrible game. Like, and it did have a okay overall story. It could have been good. But Tara Reid was cast in it. You see the first prop. I think my my point here is that you know a lot of these films that we discussed are terrible. I mean, not terrible games, but just 
if they've got very, very weak plots, if you take something like Street Fighter, I mean, it, it's very hard to build a film from that. I mean, alone, you know, House of the Dead, very bad. It's just really bad ideas for films anyway. Something like Max Payne actually had scope to be quite an interesting, it's got a quite an interesting story, and, it, and it, that was just badly put together. I'm, I'm more interested about the upcoming stuff, because I, I think there is some potential in some of the licenses that are being kicked around out there and actually in production, such as Prince of Persia. Mike Newell. Director of uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral, but also Pushing Tin, but also Harry Potter 4. He knows how to make an action film, which is basically what Harry Potter is for certain scenes. Um, and although it does have the distinctly un-Persian Jake Gyllenhaal, um, it, it, kind of, it kind of looks about right. And you know, it's, it's based on The Sands of Time, which is the best Prince of Persia game, bar none. And... Um, yeah, it, it could be all right. I mean, ultimately, they're getting... Here's the significant part. None of these other films were made by a significantly good and accomplished filmmaker. I, I sort of don't count Silent Hill, although Christophe Gans, the director, directed uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf, which is one of my favorite, uh, most unloved films of all time. Uh, and anyone else? No, no one else. Oh, Simon West, who did the second Tomb Raider film, did Con Air, which I love. Mm. Um, <laughs> But you know, he's, he's an actual director, and uh, Sam Raimi signed on for World of Warcraft. These are actually people who, who care about their craft, at least, you know, aside from <coughs> Army of Darkness and Spider-Man 3 and Dark. Um, <laughs> and for once, there's money being thrown at these. I mean, big money. I mean, let's, let's take it World of Warcraft. They're talking, what, 100 plus, 150 million they were talking about putting into that be. film? It better be. I mean, it's... it's Blizzard make enough money to be able to change that Blizzard pulled yeah. out of their couch cushions, or... Have you guys seen anything about Tekken? They're going to make a Tekken movie? They've no. made a Tekken movie. His oh, God, movie. there's a Tekken wow. movie? There's been, this thing's been in production for ages. And basically, oh. right, now before you start getting scared, I mentioned this on a... <laughs> I'm uh, already scared. Okay, right. Gonna... Rather, okay, listen, I could be wrong, but they've got like lots of MMA fighters to actually play the characters. So rather than teaching shitty actors, shitty martial arts, they're teaching... Well, I don't think they're teaching anyone anything. They're just going, right, you guys, you look a bit like the characters in Tekken. Could you just beat the shit out of each other for about nine? minutes we'll take various shots of it and we'll go you know the king of iron fist tournament and then we'll roll the film and then we'll finish it'll be that brilliant i, I don't know um they've got very i mean okay here's the thing that's really makes me excited and it's only a little one but you guys seen hellboy 2 or blade 2 yes and yes right um you know the guy who played the prince of the netherworld in both films pretty much the same role Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, his name's Luke Goss. He used to be in a uh, British um, band called Bross. He was shitty at singing, but he is fucking good at martial arts. He's playing Steve Fox, uh, which is great because he's British and he's blonde and he looks like Steve Fox and he can kick ass. This whole film could be just a collection of scenes of people kicking the shit out of each other. Zero plot, everyone in the correct costumes. Now they could. Buy- I don't know. I- yeah, I'd buy I that on DVD. That. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with that. That's okay with me. But what worries me is it's been going on for ages, um, and it's there's not we still haven't got a trailer, and it's supposed to be out this fall. So I don't know what they're doing. So with. basically, what you're telling me then is Tekken's turned into a real life MMA fighting tournament. Oh yeah, they, they've the actually made, we're going to have cage, Tekken cage fighting for reals. Have you girls wow. seen any of the um, Tony Jaa films? Uh, I suppose The Protector and Ong Bak. Yeah, I loved both those movies. Awesome. But, but they've got some guys who are in there. There's a guy who uh, the, the guy who he had to beat the shit out of with the elephant bones at the end, uh, oh, yeah. who looks like Craig Marduk. He's actually an actual MMA fighter. Is playing Marduk, and there's a guy in there who was a uh, Jeet Kune Do fighter. I believe he's in, he was an Ong Buck. He's playing martial law. So they, they appear to have actually 
cherry-picked from the right places for these people. And, and all they have to do is play the game for a bit and go, right, so I'm basically Bruce Lee, right? Okay, let me just fight someone. <laughs> so, I mean, it, we've gone on about this for way too long, but it, this could be the only film that actually really kind of captures the sole essence of Tekken, which is just two people turn up, they kick the shit out of each other, they go. It's that simple. God of War, similarly. I was so excited when I heard that was being made, and then they said, oh, Brett Ratner, director of the third X-Men movie, and I just thought, right, just if I put the knife in my throat and just like jam it up and down a bit, will that kill me in time before this movie comes out? <laughs> I'm with you. Like, Seriously. I'm not, no. I fucking no. love God of War, but do you know who has to direct it? I'll, g- I'll give you a clue. He's busy directing The Hobbit right now. Guillermo del Toro. He's all about... Yeah the realistic mythology and just the idea of having like a, a gorgon or something that's actually a real creature played by Doug Jones and he's all like got the big hands and doing the thing and going ah and then Kratos has to snap fucking necks to get through that'd be awesome that would actually be really cool yeah, and make it for adults for god's sake but they're gonna make it rated PG-13 oh that's that's not no acceptable sex. You can't, very little you can't make it. Ah, I will Seriously. be so disappointed if that happens you can't make a God of War movie and make it PG-13 who would you cast as Kratos if you could do any casting Ooh. I don't know Vin Diesel <laughs> I knew you were going to say Vin Diesel is my answer for everything and I don't know an answer <laughs> it's <laughs> a good much, yes. okay it would work. How about uh, Gerard Butler? He's got the kick already. He just has to go, this is Sparta! And like, this kick, is true. And just kick a crossbow across the floor and then turn it around a bit and then fire it at a thing. That'd be great. That's true. Just have to yeah. shave off all his hair. Maybe, yeah, he'd be good enough. He's got the glare, seriously. Yeah, you need the scary glare. That's really it's all true. you need. It's true. Some muscles. It's not a big part to fill. <laughs> okay, so... um. What would it take to make a good film based on a video game? Um, make it in CGI, it would appear. Yeah. <laughs> or one very concentrated story that you don't fuck about with too much. Like, like you know what? Infamous could be a good movie. It could be a good movie. It's probably not going to be a good movie, but it could be a good movie. Like, it's a concentrated... You You've already said you'd cast um, Jason Statham as uh, Cole. Right? Yeah. Man. Good. That dude kills people. I love that guy. If you're not going to make it animated and you're going to cast live actors, then... Make it very constant. Like, don't give them a lot of room to fuck around. Like, make it a very specific storyline within one of the games. It doesn't have to be all-encompassing, and maybe it won't suck. And don't much. put any of your own shit in there. What? <laughs> Just don't, don't get go- crazy and improvise. I think right. what the writers of Street Fighter meant to say was lesbian scene. What? Right? No, totally. <laughs> I, I, there's a subtext apparently that I missed through you know 15 years of playing these games. <laughs> you just weren't paying attention. Clearly, I was not paying attention. Right. Well, hang on, it's, it's an obvious point, but um, make a good movie. I mean, I, I know it's very hard. With make, a, make a film. I mean, no, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, this is what, it's an easy, it's a, well, it, it can finish a conversation off really easy. We'll just make a good movie. It's like, we'll just make a good game. But honestly, I mean, think about the film first. Make a good film and then fit, you know, the storyline of these games. I mean, they're not particularly complex storylines half the time. If you're taking something as simple as Street Fighter, just make a good film first and then think, well, what, how can we fit this around this? And then just, you know, please some of your film, you know, please some of the game fans at the same time. But just, you know, don't do a Doom and give us a first person view. I mean, that's, that's just patronizing to everybody involved. Um, just, but just make a good film. I mean, I'm so fed up of looking down this list and going, Oh my God! These these are all just really bad films, and the only one that really sits, sits out for me is you know Silent Hill. At least they attempted to make a decent film first. It just fell apart at the end. They were like, "Oh, yeah. we got we got to overdo it." What would really have been appreciated? A little bit of subtlety by the ending, 
the very end is kind yes. of all right, but there's all that barbed wire crap, and it's like, oh, come on. Well, Welcome and this to the was... room. Let me show you a slideshow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was I shall too. tell you my entire plan. This this is what gives me hope with um, World of Warcraft, um, because I can't see Blizzard really allowing a bad film, you know, bad anything. I mean, Blizzard just doesn't allow bad stuff to, to leave their studio. So unless they have no control whatsoever and it's all Activision's evil doing, um, I can't really, you know, I, I think that it may be the chance to actually be one that breaks the uh, the mold of just terrible, terrible films. Okay. Name your own dream project. I've already said mine. God of War helmed by Guillermo del Toro. A good infamous. I've, I've said that one before. I'm actually I, with Leah. I, I really I really like the storyline of that, and I really think that it could fit into you know a two-hour film well. Um, I don't I don't know that I have a specific director in mind for it, but um, just Jason Statham for the actor. <laughs> just, just Jason. Um, How about the director of Crank for uh, for the infamous film? Sure, there that's perfect. Let's blow God. a lot of shit up electricity. <laughs> I'm there, though. Having said that, actually, Gamer looks terrible and, like, you know, really fucking patronizing to people who actually like playing video games. Me, I would love to see a potential Halo film. I know I, I poo pooed it. I and mean, honestly, I can't see how that could be made good in live action, but uh, I'd, I'd settle for the, you know a fantastic you know, t- tense CGI film running about 80 two minutes long that just brings it into the film category. Very specific. <laughs> well, no, because, you know, a lot of these things just try to be, you know, out, outstay their welcome. Really, you just want a, a tight, concise story. Well, okay, give me an animation house. See, the thing I'm, I'm stuck is because they're actually doing this, this, oh, um, I'm, I'm loath to say cartoon because it's a production of many different uh, studios. The Animatrix and, Halo, basically. Yeah, and from what I've seen of it, I'm, I'm not overly blown away. I think, you know, manga and Halo... Uh, the you know, Japanese and American don't particularly mix very well. It's like a cheeseburger and sushi. You know, those two things shouldn't go together. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I don't like so. Yeah, okay. I How about um, uh, Robert Zemeckis's uh, studio, the ones who made Beowulf? I love that film. And if you'd be if you'd be Master Chief most of the time, so you wouldn't be able to see any of the. Uh, I mean, there'd be other characters, but they'd look really realistic. But you'd be like, ooh, it's almost real, but not quite. And you'd be able to have awesome stunts. Uh, but the, uh, the the actual acting through the, the characters, they would it, they would actually. I, I don't know. Have you guys seen Beowulf? Yeah, my favorite. This is a tangent, but I have to say it. My favorite part of Beowulf is the whole section where he's running around naked, but there are things strategically placed yes. in front of his penis. Yes. Shameful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And yes, I have seen it as well. It's actually not. A, I like that no, movie. Not, it's not bad. It was all right. I liked it. Do you know what I'd like to see? J. J. Abrams direct Mass Effect. That, that could be good or it could be terrible. <laughs> You're opening a scary door there. Like it's got to be someone who can, who can take that kind of that, that 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 you know that huge sweeping epic and sort of rein it in. Uh, I I loved Star Trek. Choose two Desert Island games. You have power and Rock Band 2 with your favorite instruments, but no internet collection. Well, that kills World of Warcraft, I guess. Yeah, Leah, you don't get any World of Warcraft. Oh, do you have Do you have an answer? Um, well, I I would take Final Fantasy VII. Um, 
And I, I was really thinking about this one, and my, my second game is a, a really difficult one, because I was trying to think of something with, like, infinite replay value, but without having an internet connection, that becomes tough. I think I would go for just an RPG that I like, which would be something like, um, I was thinking maybe Shadow Hearts. It's a good game. Yeah. I was thinking Dark Cloud 2. Can't you play that game forever? Pretty much. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, let's see, what would my two be? Well, Earthbound is one of my two. Earthbound is probably the single game that I play once a year because I can't help myself. I don't really know why. I just need to. And I think I could play it over and over again, back to back to back, and it would be fine. Uh, the second one, I want to say Persona, but I will not do that. Probably because it's just, it's, people are just expecting it from me now. Um, probably Diablo, actually. I'm fairly certain I could play Diablo forever. That's true. To infinity. That's true. Fairly certain. Even without the internet, I could still play Diablo forever. Ooh, maybe if I could get a copy of Baldur's Gate, I would take that. <laughs> you could find one. Yes. But either way, you are definitely RPG fans in this case, then. If, if I'm going to have to play this forever, yeah. I'm assuming okay. that none of my asshole friends are going to come and like rescue me, yeah. um, and Rock Band is already picked, then yeah. I would I look for you. You wouldn't find me. you get lost playing Persona. You'd be like, I, uh, I could go... Forget that. Is there a map? If there's a map, <laughs> I might find you. Never. You know what, you're actually both on the same island, but you're both just on opposite ends, and you're never aware of each other's presence. We could play Rock Band together. <laughs> if you found each other, yes. Number two, all-time favorite gaming machine, and why? Okay, I'll go first this time, because Leah's drinking copious amounts of Mountain Dew. Um, <laughs> this was really hard for me. There were two that I've wrestled with for a long time. I'm going to choose the Super Nintendo. Oh, yeah? And I'm choosing the Super Nintendo because it was... It holds the greatest memories for me over the course of my life. Um, there are games that I still play on, and I still have my Super Nintendo. It's hooked up to my TV downstairs, all nerdy-like. Um, but games like Earthbound and Super Metroid and Super Mario World are just not, not replaceable to me. Like, there are no other games that even come close. Second would, would it be the Dreamcast. It's a really hard choice. Like, that's a sliver close second. So. Dreamcast is remarkably popular. It's been chosen twice before. It's good. It, it had, you know what? It had all the best fighting games. Like it just did, and, and I love fighting games. But it just, it doesn't have the charm of the Super Nintendo. So, second place. I would take the PS2 um, for much the same reasons that I chose my my Desert Island games because it just, it has a little bit of everything. But I am very much an RPG person, and it has RPGs out the wazoo. You so. mean all of them, right? Yeah, pretty much. So, um, yeah, I would I would have to go with uh, with my PS2. Well, all right. What happened with the PS3? Like, yeah. Just, uh, taking a slice. Of, no, no RPGs. PS, no, but the PS2 had every RPG under the sun. And so did the PS3 come out, and what there's. Because they're still making Name? them for the PS2. They're still making them for the PS2. Like all those weird Japanese RPGs that you know nobody's heard of, but like three people, and I'm one of them, and I have it pre-ordered. And <laughs> you know they're still making those just for the PS2. So, I mean, so, if they ever stop production for the PS2, then maybe they will actually start making them for the PS3. But so is this oh. how it happens? Final Fantasy 13 comes out, and then boom, everything, tons of uh, I, RPGs all of a sudden. They take a long time to make. Yeah, I think that that's part of the problem, and part of the problem is coding for the PS3 is harder, and these games are huge, yeah. like in length and time spent. I just, if Atlas doesn't make Persona 5 for the PS3, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, like, I'm that, die. You're going to buy it for the PS2, and you're going to love it. Yeah, <laughs> that. that hasn't stopped the 360 taking, like, a whole ton of, uh, of um, RPGs on board. I mean, there's at least, what, there's been four, five. But the Japanese ones have been kind of mediocre. Like, they haven't been the phenomenal PS2 JRPGs of years past. And I don't know I don't if know. The ones that... There haven't been quite the volume, but, like, the ones that I've played for the 360, like, Lost Odyssey is awesome. It's a good um, game. 
I really enjoyed uh, Tales of Vesperia. I know. Uh, and Star Ocean. I know. I You're know. giving me that judgmental look. I didn't talk to you for like three weeks. <laughs> but Lost Lost, I mean, Lost Odyssey actually ranks up as one of my all-time favorites. I just it's a very good got drawn into that game. Yeah. They, they got like, the first couple that they got were all like kind of crappy knockoffs of Square games. Well, I think I think know? that at that point they were kind of going, okay, well, people like shooting things. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can get them to play another kind of game on the system too. And now they're starting to actually work with that, and I think it's turning out a lot better um, than than maybe it was to begin with. Slowly, because they're realizing that people will buy them if they put them out there. Hmm. And that's I think the 360 would be my second choice. Mm. What? what? Also, look again. <laughs> We've had it before, yeah. You wouldn't be alone. But with no internet, you know, well, I, I don't play a whole lot of games online other no, than... No, you don't. Other than Rock Band and uh, Rock the Band. occasional Resident Evil. <laughs> yeah. Who's your most admired figure in the games industry or community? Uh, do you have an answer to this? Um, going to say Kojima because you want to hug him? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's adorable. Uh, I have an... I, you know, John Davidson, uh, uh, formerly of Ziff Media, now of what they play... Um, I have a great deal for the man's, like, career, like, great deal of respect for his career, like, in that he kind of took a big dice roll to start what they play, and he's actually doing something to educate other people about video games instead of just bitching about how no one, you know, parents don't let their kids play games because they don't know about it, like... It's easy to complain. It's hard to say, oh, I'm going to start a company and, <laughs> you know, pray my wife doesn't kill me. <laughs> and we'll see how it how it goes. So I have a lot of respect for, for big chances like that and for trying to educate other people. Well, see, you had a real answer. I had, like, a fake answer. Well, Kojima is adorable. <laughs> he is adorable. <laughs> totally my second choice. Yes. But I, I, I don't know. I, uh, I, this is a tough one for me because I there are more people in the games industry that I don't like. <laughs> I could rattle off lists of that all day. But, um, no, I... There are a lot of impressive people, but I, I, I like your answer. Your answer is good. Fair enough. Okay, you can steal it. But I, I'm keeping I'm keeping Kojima though, because I do want to hug him in a closet. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. We got a new question replacing why do you play games, which is, which game would you like to see as a movie, or vice versa, which movie would you like to see as a game? Obviously, we've been talking them to death, but can you you know scrape the bottom of the barrel for you guys? Infamous. I'm still gonna stick with that. Okay. It's a pretty good answer. I think I'm going to stay with Infamous, too. I think it, it lends itself the best to going the movie way and not sucking. Yeah. So we're going to go there. I quite like the other way, though. What movie would you like to see turned into a game? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll ask you that one. They've all been no. so bad yeah. thus far. Um, G.I. Joe. No, please don't. No more. No, they've done it. There. I know. Yeah, that's already They've happened. done them all. I'm trying to think if they're a good... Um, I kind of want to say Dawn of the Dead, but they've kind of done that already. Yeah. yeah. Sort of. Dead like Rising. Rising, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly my point. And, and oh, no, hang on, hang on. Legally, they are nothing to do with each other, no, okay, right. Capcom? There's even that sticker on the front of the pod. <laughs> it's not nothing affiliated with to George do. Romero's Dawn well, of the Dead. I have to excuse me. Someone's knocking great. on the door. That is a cease and desist notice right now. Yes. For even mentioning it on this show. It's interesting. I'm um, looking at my Blu-ray shelf, and everything on there that I, it, you know, has been made into a game of some kind because they're all yeah. the big, high, you know, glossy, high-budget action and sci-fi things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same well, here. Yeah. I'd like. To, I, I tell you what, I'd like to see a really good Terminator 2 game. I was going to say Star Trek, but that's that's I mean like a good Star Trek game, you know. Yeah. But Terminator 2 would be cool. I'm with that. So, Salvation, the game. Is yeah. No, is no, no, no. Terminator Two, <laughs> as in you know you get to play. Good one. And uh, yeah, it'd be awesome. I think. Uh, oh, how about and this is a bit out of left field. Children of Men. 
And it, would, it kind of would just be like this one scene at the end where you're just trying to dodge everyone. It'd be much like Half-Life. But if they could string that into maybe just a different, you know, you play a different character in the same world where this shit's going on around you or something. like Build that into the Heavy Rain engine. Yeah. You might have something. Just make it so that you're trying to get out of Britain and Britain's completely... Have you seen Children of Men? Yes. Love, love that movie. Fantastic. Phenomenal movie. Clive Owen. But... Um, yeah, no, that would be just the, 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 the kineticism. The fact that it's, you know, clearly Quayon is inspired by Half-Life means that it would translate very well to a video game. So, yeah. I think that the key that we've got to break here is how we get, you know, proper narrative into a game. And I think Heavy Rain's one of the first signs that, you know, maybe we do have an engine that will be able to deliver that. I mean, we'll have mm-hmm. to see come next year. But, you know, that's the first sign of maybe this is possible to actually have a, a narrative game experience rather than just the, the four-hour action stuff that we're so used to seeing. My, one of my most admired figures was David Cage, creator of uh, F- uh, Indigo Prophecy and uh, Heavy Rain, actually. So, um, Right. What is your worst gaming experience ever? I have so many of these. I was very tempted to say at the time when I was buying a game in the Register Biscuit, as I like to call him, asked me if I was buying it for my boyfriend, to which I almost punched him. But the real one is when I was playing... <laughs> was back when I really did. I almost hit this man. I thought I was going to be arrested for assault. Um... The real one is Girls that don't play Halo. Yeah, <laughs> bitch, I will show you some Halo on your face. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I think the the worst experience I've had actually playing a game was when I was playing. I was playing with a bunch of the gamer chicks, which is a sort of group of girls under the Xbox. You know, just mm-hmm. it's a forum, sub forum for women who play games together. And we're playing. We're in a party for Gears of War when it first came out. And we end up playing against this group of dudes who proceeded to go on a diatribe about how women should never be president and we should be pregnant and in the kitchen making a sandwich. Oh, fuck. To which we fucked them up right good and <laughs> made them look stupid. And the one girl that I'm in there with was like, what now, bitch? Like, really? Why don't you go make me sandwiches? <laughs> you know how to play video games. <laughs> so that was both the worst because they were they meant it and were phenomenal, you know, jerks, and also kind of the best because that was a sweet moment. <laughs> so that's good. I think mine isn't so much like one specific incident as it was um, a realization. Uh, I played World of Warcraft for a really, really, really long time. Um, and, and yeah, God help me, I'm going, I'm going back to it, and that that's it breaks, a bad idea. It breaks my brain a little bit. I'm hoping that this time around it will be a more casual thing. Um, it, it has to be. Keep on <laughs> hoping that. Yeah, because I mean, I was, you know, I went the whole nine yards. I was in a raiding guild. I had, you know, the it, it was. We've looking been, back on it, it was terrible. We were friends back then, Leah. We, I know it was a problem. I know it was, but I think that um, one of the worst things about that is. Um, that that game and and I guess this will happen you know in pretty much any time people get in those kinds of situations but it changes people and they say that you know and you just kind of laugh it off but no it really does I was uh, living with uh, my boyfriend at the time and you know he was our raid leader and our main tank and he used to scream at like me at the other people on there it was like he was a completely different person and I got pissed off. You know, and I would walk into the other room and like smack him upside the head, and, and it was just, it was terrible because you know this is this is awful. I don't want to be yelled at over a stupid game. You know, I think people lose sight of that. But I think I think that having to deal with people freaking out over you know pixels on a screen mm-hmm. was probably uh, 
probably my worst memory of uh, of gaming. It's pretty horrifying. Yeah. I need a key to your house because if you get addicted to World of Warcraft again, I need to be able to come into your house and drag you away from it. <laughs> like, these need to be the rules. Leah, you so. must have done that thing where you're like, you're up at two in the morning, you're like, I can get by on six hours sleep, five hours sleep, four hours sleep, three hours. Three hours I don't sleep. need to sleep tonight. That's so you know what happens? Just go to work. It may have happened. That happens to me with Persona all the time. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't happen. No, not I'm at all. an adult. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. Sure. I think I think the biggest thing is you never eat. That's what I always. Yeah, that's really bad. It's just love dinner. Oh, I've missed dinner. Oh, whatever. I have breakfast. Unless bad. someone brings you food, you don't need no, to. No, it's eat cold food. because you can't really eat it because you're in the middle it, of a raid. It mm. must be liquid form. Oh, you've, yeah, you've had about you know I don't know four liters of, of diet, <laughs> you know Coke or Mountain Dew or something, and you feel like you're gonna die. Yeah. I've I've had my share of steak smoothies. Right. What's your favorite piece of music from a video game? I like that you just looked at me expectantly. Um, mine is is actually the Kraken battle music from Earthbound. Um, more specifically, there's actually a, a remix out there uh, oh. from the, one of the guys at Starman.net called Kraken Chaos, and it's really, really good. Kraken um, Chaos. Kraken Chaos with Ks, you know, like Mortal Kombat. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But uh, cool. yeah, that's my favorite music ever. I could listen to that song on loop. It drives my husband freaking crazy. It's great. I'm not sure if this counts or not, but um, I just the entire album, um, the first one by the Black Mages, um, just various Final Fantasy remixes. Um, yeah, I they're they're amazing and I love them and uh, I listen to them very frequently. <laughs> so uh, if you could pick one, what would it be? Uh, it's the one from Final Fantasy VIII, and I don't remember what the actual title of the song is. But um, that's a good song, and I don't yeah. remember it either. Yeah. Oh, good lord, hum it for us. Sing, Leah, sing. <laughs> sing. Also, dance. Oh, God, not, not singing. Uh, oh, crap, I wish I had my iPod on me. I would look it up. Um, Force Your Way? Does that sound yes, right? Yes, Force Your Way. That's it. From Final Fantasy VIII. about gaming would you like banished to hell or room 101 and if you haven't listened to the room 101 episode it's basically a fiery pit that you can get rid of something about gaming forever and we tony and i have to try and defend it and keep it out well i i think that um the the thing that i would probably get rid of is just stereotyping i i know that's kind of general but um i i get so sick of it i work in a video game store i you know i play video games i don't always play rpgs sometimes i play things where people get cut in half or get shot in the face and you know i don't i don't think that um that i should have to buy something uh that has a pink cover just because hmm. Bar- barbie horse adventures barbie horse adventures barbie rides bareback <laughs> <laughs> see now tony and i are already did we we threw in women with big boobs because uh 
Kelly Brown of the Married Gamers said she didn't want them in games anymore. We threw them in. The amount of shit we got for that <sighs> from our, right. let's face it, male audience going, oh, no, 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 you, you, you need them. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah I don't think I'd love that in stereotypes, important. though. I don't, I don't, that doesn't really bother me. I, I don't, it's not often distracting. It, no. it can be distracting. Uh, not to you. Well, if it's just, uh, let me just say that if it's distracting to me, then it's probably over the top. Yeah. Let's just well, throw that out there. Well, give us an example of stereotyping then, so we have a bit more to work with. Yeah. I, I think mostly it's just pigeonholing. I, the, the thing that really um, that I really notice it in is um, advertising, and I don't necessarily mean like television or uh, radio advertising or however video game ads are are distributed these days i don't have tv so i don't really know but um i i um i more mean like when you walk into a, a game store or uh anything like that something that i um mm, i wrote an article that. about uh, merchandising i guess would be a better term for it uh, you know, you have the section where everything's pink. You have the section where you have the display box for the Hannah Montana Lilac PSP that says "Girls Can Play Too." Does it have I a Z for the not. girls? It actually says that. It says yeah, that. we had that yeah. story it, earlier. Yeah. It gives seizures. I have little tiny seizures in my. I'm imagining a 12-year-old girl girl reading this carefully and going, "We can." <laughs> oh, that, yes. last week, that was me seriously yeah, yeah. thank you advertising oh, yeah. boobs excluded me from video games that's what the internet told me i don't yeah oh. but i mean i just it it's it seems that they go to great lengths to not really integrate female gamers but to say oh by the way we have a section here for you as well it's over in that corner <laughs> We, yeah. we did have a show where we had Lee Alexander on talking about just this particular subject and how to, how can we ingrace girls into, you know, into an industry that is fairly dominated by male stereotypes. And uh, she actually came up with a good, um, kind of an analogy. It's, it's not necessarily that there's a pink PSP out there because, you know, it's a color and girls like pink. You know, blokes don't really like, uh, pink, but, you know, that's fine. You know, it's Tony, Tony, careful, careful. Some girls like pink. <laughs> Okay, but more girls than blokes probably like pink. Yes, that is a true statement. That's a safe assumption, yeah. It, that's, that's nothing wrong with that colour whatsoever. It, it's more to the fact that, like you say, it's their own little corner of the store that says, you know, we're, we're trying to aim for you too. We know we've got a, a cool Z at the end of the name because, you know, that's what you like, Hannah Montana. She equated and, it to and a kiddie pool. So basically, yeah. you put the girls over there. This is where you go play. You can play these games. All of us will be over here playing the real ones. And it, it's so fucking patronising. So, yeah. It is. Yes. It really Really is. Hmm. How can we defend this one, Tony? Stare. <laughs> mind that women are vicious, and I may stab you at packs if you don't agree with us. Oh my she god. Might stab you through Skype. I don't. I don't know how that would work, but. Uh, but we've been told that we were too soft on all of our. Uh, all right, guests. Then. Bring it on. We can take it. Right. Okay. Sometimes stereotypes have. I can't do it, Tony. <laughs> Terrible. We should never start that feature. Okay. No. 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 Why? Okay. Sometimes very simple people need guidelines, and those very simple people make up a large demographic and a large amount of money, specifically for Nintendo. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but it has its place in keeping the industry afloat. No, oh, God, don't stand me, please. <laughs> some, some girls need to be told that you know games are for them. I mean, 
let's let's face it. I mean, there's so many more guys over the girls that do actually play games, and you know, I've had conversations with women that wouldn't even dream of it. And the fact there is a little corner from actually eases them into it. And that, you know, we've had this conversation when Nintendo are doing a fantastic job of you know, appealing to a completely different generation and, and of girls, women. I'm not going to say demographic because I say that at the start of every show, but you know, it it is a completely different demographic of, of people, and you know. Whether it's patronising to one person, maybe, but I'm not too sure that it's it's something that we need to get rid of in, in its entirety. I think it, it just kind of has to sit there, and you know, if as long as we can get them into the industry, get them—that's a horrible word. Okay, as long as we yeah, get no. more people into God. the industry, you people, <laughs> with your estrogen <laughs> comes off. I mean, when it's like that, yeah, throw into room one hundred and one. But I, I think you know, it, it can lead them to kind of that's the baby step into an industry with you know far far more deeper stuff that they can then interact with once they've made that first step. It, but it is making that first step that is the biggest uh, hurdle, and I, I think it's a really simplistic look of how we can actually get them there. Um, and of course, there's 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 room to grow that idea, but um, <laughs> to throw it in a way in its entirety, yeah, I don't know, I'm not sure. Baby steps. I, yeah, I was just gonna say I think that the game corner for girls can go. Like Nintendo has done a pretty good job of appealing mm-hmm. to everyone without making the boxes pink and saying these are only for you. Like when you go to the Wii section of your, you know, video game store, it's it's all mixed together, you know, considering that most of it is for everyone. Um, but it's not like it doesn't take long to mix a bunch of carnival game packs together. together with other carnival game packs. But at least it's not in one corner of the store where you feel like the leper. With the dunce cap, that's like, you, don't, you, don't, you don't know. Uh, Put stay, that halo down. You, you go over where the pink stuff. You is. stay in your corner, goddamn it! It sucks. You know, you see all these little girls huddled in one little corner. It's just, it's all very awkward. I just that probably can go. Like you can probably do a better job of mixing this stuff in with other games or having your game store employees be able to make helpful suggestions without having to like draw attention to it. Like. Girls don't. I don't like that. Like, I don't want attention drawn to me just because I'm a female gamer. I want to be treated as an equal. You know. I just wish Fair. that there were, and I don't necessarily have an answer for this. I, I'm of course all about getting more women and more girls to play games, but I wish that there were some way to do it without. Like, E3 is the best example I can think of of this. The press conferences oh. at E3 started talking about their female gaming demographic. It's like we're a different species. It is. They were afraid of us. They were. They're terrified. I, I just wish that there were some way without, you know, saying, oh, you you are so alien to us that we have to conduct separate marketing strategies. <laughs> and I, I just I, and like I said, I don't necessarily have an answer for that. But uh, like, draw, just draw less attention to it. Like there are ways to probably do this that I cannot think of because I'm not a marketing genius that doesn't like make us feel like like stand out. It makes us uncomfortable. We don't really want that. Right. No, that needs to go. Okay, so, uh, but unfortunately we can't put in the entirety of stereotyping. We've got to leave it out. If you want, we can just put that little bit in there. Take away the girls' game corner. Is that a fair compromise? Especially if it's got a Z on the end of girls. Burning in hell. Right. That was one half of one question, Tony. We can't have this question every week. (laughs) I know, Uh, it gets long. All right, mine all. Elaine, go. Um, I'm really getting tired of the day one uh, fix our broke ass game patch. Yeah. You know, like, hey, my multiplayer sucks. We're gonna fix that. We're gonna fix that. We promise. Okay. So I, I've got an immediate answer to this one. Um, um, it allows people to continue programming right up to the last minute of release. So the discs are out there, but they're still working on the game. It allows the hardworking folks at Lionhead to. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, because they game keep working on, on your Fable 2 until and and go. Oh, it's brilliant, new, incredible, simultaneous two-player mode. Okay, you're currently off the same screen, but still. Uh, uh. It, it's, it's, I think it's only frustrating when, like, how does it get through your QA and still be busted? Castle, Castle Crashers was a really good example of this. Yeah. Like, how the hell did that get through QA? Fat Princess, how the fuck did that get through QA? I think they just have a release date and there's like, you know, oh, fuck, it's not finished, but fuck it. Throw it out there, we'll do a patch. I I've think it's become a quick we fix. We promise. No, just push your game. Okay. Yeah, that, that bothers right. me. I'd, I'd say, yes, it pisses me off, but at least it's not like the old days where if a cartridge was broken, you really were screwed. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but they true. may have actually spent time actually making yeah. sure that cartridge was working. Yeah, that didn't happen that often uh-huh. back in the day. How many games can you think of? Can you honestly remember that really just something was actually wrong with them? Like that you remember getting to a point and it just dying every time, that bit. There was cartridges? That- yeah, okay. Back in the day. I don't. I, yeah, I can't. can't. Anything. Which, which leads me to believe that actually, as you say, um, because there was no get out clause, there was no way around mm-hmm. it. They had to release it absolutely, you yep. know, pretty much perfect and working. Fuck it up then. They they but they made it work. Now they know but they have the safety. We're living in the future now. We have hoverboards, so you know. <laughs> a lot of these patches get released like, nine times out of ten to actually deal with multiplayer stuff. I mean. Uh, Right. Still, we're at this um, junction where a game comes out, it has massive multiplayer, and, and suddenly we, we let it out in the hordes of the, the crowds, and they find shit they shouldn't have done. I mean, that's unfortunately something that you can't foresee. I mean, as much as these QAs would love to have the simulation of a million people playing the game, I imagine half these games with a million people playing it. That's, that would be amazing. But... um. I think I'm fine with that. I think if the community is going out there and they're just, you know, they're finding these stuff that probably shouldn't have been there, but you know what, it's, it's hard to find. That's that, that's okay. But it, something when it's like Fable, like, I mean, oh. that in Battlefield, like. That, oh yes, that, well, that, that was a bit of a servers, and they were yeah, like, oh, "We did not know that so right. many people would want to play this game." And oh. well, Fat, Fat Princess is broken still. Like, yeah. you cannot get into games, and like, they're like, "We're on it, we're patching it." Oh my god, it's only eight on eight. Like, this shouldn't be a problem. We can do this already. <laughs> right, um, I, Tony. I think- I think one of the good things about Microsoft is they, they made patching so easy. It's so quick. It just happens. Damn. You know, it, it's done. That's you fine. just done the game. Um, I think the problem is I, I would agree with you is that when I have a, a PlayStation 3 patch that comes in it and it's, you know, it's half the size of the blinking game itself. Um, and you're downloading and installing it and you're waiting 20 minutes to actually launch your game or the classic one with me and everybody's golf. Uh-huh. Um, I, I waited over three hours to download the patch mm-hmm. for that game. I mean, that that at that point, yes, it's going. You could have gone and had a real game of golf in that time, <laughs> right? Yes. But uh, no, I mean, releasing of broken games, um, and and it is an unfortunate situation where you know a lot of people aren't online to download these patches. So if it's something broken in a single player, in fact, actually, Fable Two had a few bugs where literally the game could just crash um, if you did a certain uh, segment of quest lines. Um, you know, just just so happened you did that, and and then that game's broken to you. Unless you got access to the internet, unlucky. Lest so, yeah, I, I resurrect I the decaying corpse of Jumper, the game of the movie, <laughs> which it needs ha- to go. It, it, it gotta go. There was a bit in Jumper that Tony fell through the level uh, because there were some stairs that he was supposed to walk to that turned invisible. It was oh, and <laughs> that time's over. Yep. But Every guys, time. we can patch this. It'll totally be fine in a week. Uh, I, you know what? No one cared can, about that game. Can we right. get this in though, Tony? Honestly, because it's it's fixable. You know, it's it's a pain, but it's it's fixable. It's not like the, these games are permanently broken. It's not like something terrible. It, it well, I mean, 
<laughs> oh, it's pretty terrible. Like it, it's not. That princess is pretty terrible. I mean, that's the reason that game to exist. And it's a multiplayer-only download game. Like that I, breaks the whole thing. Training. I'm leaving this one in your hands, Tony. I feel like keeping it out on general principle. Well, I, I, I mean, we're, we're not trying to stop you know game developers patching their stuff if they find bugs. I mean, I think that's a really bad idea because then we're going to be suffering with broken games. Uh, but it has become more of the norm that you buy a game and you, and you do. We all do it. You buy the game, you stick it in your drive, you counter free, you wait for the blip download. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Okay, and and when it doesn't happen, you're actually surprised. You're like, whoa. What do you have for me today? Nothing. <laughs> you and then be? 24 hours later, bloop. <laughs> oh, box. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, in or out, Tony? Quick. Uh, oh, I don't know. God. Out. Out. <laughs> yeah. right. Quite valiantly. Be, All right. Where will gaming be five years from now? Um, one paragraph. <laughs> quick and short. Um, yeah. Probably in very similar position that we're in today, but with multiplayer that works more frequently and is smoother and everybody's online experience will be better. I don't think motion control is going to blow the world away or anything. I think, you know, we'll be about here, except everyone will probably be online or a very vast majority of people who own consoles. Even on Nintendo? I think so. Imagine how many friends codes you'd have to have. They will have another console in five years that will have... The internet. Miyamoto oh says you're wrong. He's only <laughs> he might get outvoted by shareholders. So <laughs> you know. Gotta get with him. Yeah. Full virtual reality suits and time travel. I <laughs> like that. <laughs> do, do we? I'm not 100 percent sure what purpose the time travel is going to serve, but it'll be there. Cheeseburgers get... from in game to out. There you when go. you That's say it. full virtual reality suits. Like, like, complete pet <laughs> body. Yours won't have pants. Ah! Uh, it's not real. I'll <laughs> just have to attach the sensors to my legs. He just wants to play the fox in Persona. I mean, just that. I massive, totally want to play the fox. Yeah. Read a mail. I do. Okay, so this one's from Giles. So, Tony, what percentage of your previously impressive to me gamer score did your better half get for you? Hmm? Because <laughs> Liz last week said she'd got you some points. Yeah, actually, I, I kind of got mis- uh, lost in translation on, on this. I mean, yes, obviously, you know, Liz does help me out on uh, you know, collectible achievements. And, uh, I mean, okay, she played High School Musical with me. Yeah, probably needed that. But, I mean, actually, to, to qualify this, I mean, she has helped me out and, and get in stuff like Test Drive Unlimited, driving around the you know the world and unlocking the tracks. And but there is actually a good reason for this, and this is something I actually uh, kind of encourage you know guys with their you know with, with you know, their partners, doesn't matter who they are, um, to actually play single player games a bit like this. I mean, it, multiplayer games, and you know we, we've had this discussion. You know they they are quite hard you know, and quite competitive. With single player games, she really loves sitting there and, and watching this stuff actually unfolding. But the problem is she. She's not particularly great at them. So if they actually become uh, quite hard, she, she tends to shy away from it and, and then doesn't actually really get the story itself. But actually by, you know, by both of us kind of sitting on the couch and just saying, well, you know, all these 
badges are here, you know, let's take Harry Potter for example, you know, all these badges are in this world. Instead of me just sitting there and playing this, I mean, I'm not going to get, get any difficult fights or anything, but I'm, I'm actually just wandering around the world and exploring it. It's a perfect time just to hand over the controller and say, you know what, I'll just sit back. I'll be the, the you know the casual person sitting there and watching this stuff unfold, and you can be the one because you're not going to have anything overly taxing to do. Actually, just you know sit there and find badges and collect it. And by doing that, quite often what happens with Liz is that she go through those motions, and you know we sit there and we try to find the stuff together. And then she goes, you know what, I think I've got these game controls down now. And then she'll actually go on and actually play the game a bit further and actually enjoy the game that way. So I actually don't think there's anything wrong with letting you know somebody you know you're a half actually sit down and, and play you know collect stuff go um, flag hunting for you on assassin's creed so she doesn't yeah, have to do any of the uh, combat yeah. bits but she I mean, wouldn't she, like anyway she wouldn't want to do the racing in test drive unlimited because you know it, it's it's quite frankly it's, it's quite hard mm. but she quite likes you know she quite like just driving around the streets unlocking all these areas because it, she still feels like she's actually playing in this game world but not having the the challenge that the, the game's actually thrown at her saying that she does have a level 74 um, Warcraft. Warcraft player. So what the fuck do I know? Um, you know, she's actually got a higher Warcraft player than me. But that's it. I, I don't play it anymore. So it's, yeah. It's yeah, you had to divide yourself amongst thousands of other games as well. So yeah. So that's what I'm trying to say. Is I, I think it's actually a good thing to actually let your partner, you know, experience some of this game. Occasionally, it's just just to put the controller down and let them play. You know, let them. God, I hate myself for saying that. <laughs> and if it gets you a little points on the side, yeah, so much the better. Why not? Indeed. Okay, Sean O'Brien, Avatar Marketplace equals PSM32. What? Eh? Maybe? Just saying. As in, like, uh, the uh, idea of now we're going to be paying for clothes. Um, yes and no. Uh, I used my avatar. <laughs> it's that <Yeah>. simple. <laughs> there is one big difference here. Their avatar marketplace is in home. So you you have the option of actually interacting with that. And most, let's face it, I mean, I, I don't want to be overly mean on it, but no one actually goes into home. No one I know goes into home unless Sean can and point us wrong that he actually goes into home. So you're not going to see this stuff where your avatar, you know, your little dude up on the screen, you can't help but bump into him every time you turn your 360 on. Yeah, he's um, there. And, it, you know, you want him to look good. Well, Plus, I do. He looks a bit more like you and not just everyone else in the same damn t-shirt. So, yeah. That's, that's something I actually want to do, you know, want to ask you too. I mean, what do you think of this, this whole avatar marketplace stuff? I'm, I'm good with it. Like, I'm in the preview and I'm, I'm okay with it. I just think that it's maybe a little more expensive than it needs to be. It's mm. kind of like, let's see how far we can push these limits. Let's see what people will pay. I'll probably pay that. Yeah. I think if it was a little cheaper, like, I'm totally fine with them charging for things. If you want, if you want to bling out your avatar and have, like, extra swag on them, like, that's, that's totally your prerogative, but, I think they are kind of gutting people a little bit on the pricing. Like it's it's very expensive. Is it? It's like a dollar a t-shirt. Like yeah. unnecessary. Uh, Eighty points. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a dollar for us. So yeah. Yeah. So sixty pence, right? I see. I mean, listening to Game Hounds this week, they they absolutely flew into this idea. I can't help but think, was anyone? I mean, it's not an excuse. Is anyone surprised that Microsoft were going to do this eventually? Because you know, it is a cheap way of actually making money. Right. But you know. <laughs> I can't help but think, you know, I'm, I'm all right. If, if my little guy on the, on, on the front end of my screen is always there dancing away, you know, just standing there, why not make him look all right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking about going in there and spending, you know, 40, 50 bucks on this guy over, you know, his lifetime. But, you know, if there happens to be a T-shirt that, that jumps up, that actually, oh, I really like that, I'm all right with spending like 60 pence. I'm not going to do it over and over again. Um, and I think when you have the, you know, the little warthog thing, that you can drive around from Halo and it's 320 points. At that point, you stand there and go, no, 
That is ridiculous, that's, Microsoft. That's a little insane. Yeah, that's way too much. That is insane. And you know, anybody that you see having that, I agree. You should probably take them off your friends list and going. Just buy it. Buy. It. Stop buying this stuff. You're only encouraging. I think, like like you say, if you bring down the prices and you know, a top for eighty points. Yeah, you know what? That's that's not even a rock band track. I, I'm probably all right at that, but 320 points or a whole outfit for you know getting on for you know five pounds, five bucks. I think mm-hmm. then you do have a problem. They say, well, no. And I think this is really important. We at this point, we got to start saying, you know, we, we got to be the ones actually saying this that people don't buy that warthog because at 320 points is a ridiculous amount of money. So don't buy it. But you know. The T-shirts is 80 points. I'm all right with that. I'll pay that. But I'm not going to buy the over, the more expensive stuff. This is about uh, gamers play, playing with their uh, girlfriends and, and, and wives and, and basically the idea of interaction between couples in gaming. This is from Stephen Jones. I think the problem in general comes from too much social pressures in the past telling girls that gaming is for boys and there's nothing for them there. This relates back to that thing we were talking about earlier. Given the correct introduction to gaming, and I think everyone who also understands and enjoys movies, books, boards, or card games can gain enjoyment from video games too. This has to be introduced at an early age, though, as humans are stubborn creatures of habit. So I guess what I'm basically saying is I have a nerdy relationship. Uh, you went in to breed some nerdy kids, and the geek shall inherit the earth. That said, Linda and I let the side down by not having any kids, but we do interact with our various cousins and encourage good gaming. We even got Linda's mum playing 1080 snowboarding back on the N64. Good for you guys. Carolyn, this is uh, Commander Tim's other half. I knew a couple uh, where there was such a level of competition between the guy and the gal. One such example was playing Gran Turismo 4, and then they as a couple played the game until the gal started beating the guy in races. Then they stopped playing the game. Lather, rinse, repeat. Uh, no, they're no longer together, but the tension over gaming was just another symptom of their doomed relationship. My sister-in-law is a great example of a wife who does not get gaming. She's married to the brother that I watch play Metroid. The only gaming-related thing that she does is Wii Fit for exercise. And we sports bowling because my nephew loves playing it. Meanwhile, my brother stays up at all hours playing games online with his friends. They don't mesh at all in, in that respect. And sometimes there's a bit of tension over it. But for them and a lot of other people, it's just another dynamic in their relationship. Not all of us are fortunate enough to be with someone who gets our interests. Right now, Tim's playing some horrible game for the Saturn behind me. And he's blathering on about how when the American company bought this game over from Japan, they ruined it. And you know what? I don't know if I'd want to be anywhere else. Oh... Uh, my wife actually did some research uh, on this and was checking out various forums and there was like there's a actually I'll read this next one first and then and then go yeah we got these next get, two get that bit right yeah. uh, morose duck this actually applies to what Sharon looked for good show guys but I think you have to call it gaming wives not gamers wives given how big an effect gaming can and does have in relationships it does feel like a bit of a missed opportunity to only have spoken to people for whom gaming is a fundamental and positive part of their lives I would have liked to hear from people for whom it's more of an issue and how they cope with it as I suspect there are more people in this situation than the blessed few with keen gamers for wives. I, for one, have a wife who pretty much loathes gaming and regards my beloved consoles as the spawn of the devil. Crazy old bat. That was uh, Morose Duck, not me. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, my wife went online and there was this, you know, various sites of women. You know, there's two kinds of women. One who, you know, loves playing games with her husband or, or plays games with her husband in some capacity. And one who, ha- you know, kind who hates it and basically become a golfing widow. Only rather than being away, he's actually right there playing games and they never really get to talk to him. One woman, this is mental, waited until he went to work and then cut up his games with scissors. So then he went and bought some more. I mean, she might as well just have burnt some money. What's the point? That's... Oh. So, I mean, ultimately, it's, you know, not being able to in any way relate to your other half is more... Uh, yeah, you know, the, the gaming is more a symptom of the of the greater problem in this one. Yeah, and I mean, let, 
let us defend ourselves for two minutes. We actually wanted to do two things. We wanted to actually um, show a different side. I mean, it would have been actually fairly easy to show, you know, the nagging side, you know, side that you know people hear all the time. And one that you think that would make a fantastic podcast, but think that actually go to a, a you know a woman that actually hates game, or it doesn't even have to be a woman, your partner that hates games, and then go, would you like to be on a gaming podcast to talk about that? I mean, I can just imagine how that was going to fly. I mean, that would be fascinating. But also, we were actually really interested to to talk about, you know, um, couples in relationships where games actually do form a fundamental part of their relationship. It's something that is actually not talked about enough. I mean, we, we hear the crazy stories of the, the woman that cuts up a guy's games or vice versa, but we don't actually hear enough about how gaming enhances people's relationships. And so we decided to take it on a slightly different angle. And, you know, for one, I think it was easier for us to, to hit that angle because, you know, uh, you know, geeks and gaming like to talk about the hobby. So that was going to be an easy podcast to make. But uh, I mean, if any, if there, if there is somebody out there that absolutely hates their husband's or wife's hobby and want to jump on the show and actually put their side of the story across and so maybe it will be a bit more in depth into those lives. I mean, by all means, you know, contact the show and, you know, we're, we're, we put that opinion out there, but I, I don't know, that would be a crazy show to record. Indeed. Uh, for the woman, by the way, who cut up her husband's gains, I have one word for you. Divorce! Awesome. Right. That's what my husband is probably thinking right now. Interest has been exploding on our site, www.thedigitalcowboys.com, regarding our film club. We ask for suggestions of films you want us to watch and discuss. Here's just a list of the, your demands as it stands. Some brilliant and some are just plain baffling. Deja Vu, Silence of the Lambs, Far Cry, that's the Uwe Boll one. 2001 A Space Odyssey, The Godfather Part 2. You're never going to get the Uwe Boll film right next to 2001 A Space Odyssey and The Godfather Part to on any other list on the internet anywhere. They have no correlation. High Plains Drifter, What Dreams May Come, Blazing Saddles, Annie Hall, Princess Mononoke, The Usual Suspects, Commando, Donnie Darko, Time Bandits, From Dust Till Dawn, Who Dares Wins, Deconstructing Harry, Southland Tales, Legend, Lost Highway, Inland Empire, Dark City, Near Dark, Miller's Crossing, The Man Who Will Be King, Full Metal Jacket, The Thing, and overwhelmingly, the director's cut of Brazil. <laughs> what is with Brazil? Well, because you said it was a bad film. I did not. I just said never seen anything in it. Just well, I, I've only I, honestly, I've only seen the theatrical version. So maybe the director's cut is amazing. I don't it, know. It would be. Uh, it was one of those films that actually be fascinating to do because it's so complex um, and there's so much story in there and it's all over the place. I admit it's all over the place, but I'd be fascinating to actually sit down and and watch it again in its you know in its director's cut form. But um, will you watch it with me? I'm scared. <laughs> I mean, that's a, it's a crazy list, um, but keep on adding to it. I, that's going to take us about four years to get through. <laughs> God. I am not watching What Dreams May Come Again. It's crap. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Random Game of the Week, and we will try and do this in lightning fast Well, time. we don't have to do Random Game of the Week. Yeah, we do. Okay, <laughs> it's a good we're, game. We're doing Random Game of the Week, then. Yeah, they, well, I think these girls might have played it. If they haven't, they need to be told about it. Buster Groove. 
No. 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 I, no. I actually haven't played it either. Right. Okay. It was originally a huge DDR-style arcade unit. It was also released on PlayStation in 1998. It's a very early rhythm action game and came out just after Parappa the Rapper. So imagine Dance Dance Revolution played on PS1 with a pad rather than a mat and with weird Japanese interpretations of popular musical genres rather than licensed songs. You imagine it? Interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's very, it's very simple gameplay. You choose one character from a list of oddballs and go head to head with the rest of them, Street Fighter style, only with dancing. It's like a dance off. See, so <laughs> you gotta keep rhythm by tapping the corresponding D-pad direction. So it's like down, up, down over a three-beat. Then you gotta hit the face buttons. You can also unleash special dance moves to throw your opponent off. It's tricky, but like Parappa the Rapper, it's oddly compelling gameplay. Characters in- like Rhythm Heaven. <laughs> it, it, I think for someone who's into Rhythm Heaven, you'd probably quite like it. You need to check this out on YouTube. Ooh. Characters include Gas O, a methane obsessed freak, Hero, a Japanese disco diva, Kelly, a grown woman dressed in a baby grow, and your favourite, probably, Kitty N, a girl in a cat costume. I'm totally in. The ginger ones are the best. Each character has an equally weird backdrop with accompanying music. Uh, it was released in Japan on the PlayStation Network, but nowhere else yet, although according to Wikipedia, it might get a European release. doesn't necessarily say there'll be a, a North American one. And apparently, according to... Uh, this is another random game of the week. We did like one of the first ones. So might Vib Ribbon. So yeah, check it out on YouTube. Be aware that a lot of the J-pop tracks were re-recorded to make them sound more like cheesy Euro-pop, so it's up to you which pop you prefer to assault your ears with. It's 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 a weird game, but um, actually, it's, it's one of those games that I actually kind of got my sister into playing, because um, she didn't like video games at all, but she she did like, you know, dance-type rhythm games, and it was it's, it's it was kind of like the, the bare bones of what would later then go on to be DDR, only a, you know, a few, uh, few years afterwards. briefly digital cowboys film club the first episode was out this week it was fight club we had commander tim on and it's already got loads of downloads and is receiving very positive feedback the website is www.thedigitalcowboys.com and of course you can find articles on there and actually two articles that have been well one another article being put up by Stex. uh that's about his history on video games it's actually a really interesting read and um Ryan, our, our guy that works over in... Ruffian Games. Ruffian Games, working on Crackdown 2, has uh, written about his experiences uh, you know, joining the group at Ruffian Games. It's actually a really interesting read as well. Uh, also, look for us on Platform Nation very soon. We should have links up within the next few days on the main site, and all of the other podcasts should be on our site because we're going to pimp them like crazy. So everybody complain that we keep giving you excellent shows to listen to and there just aren't enough hours in the day. Here's the Video Game Jocks, the Fanboys Lunchcast, the Target Demographic, Ozbox Live, of course, Game Hounds, the Married Gamers, who you should be listening to already. But most of all, check out Some Other Castle. Oh.
<laughs> they talk about video games. Video yeah. games! <laughs> That's more like it. That's right. always guaranteed to get a, a response. Okay. And to play us out, we have the theme song to our show, one that we haven't played in its entirety for over two years, but this one goes out to all of our new listeners at Platform Nation. It's Mark Chance with Love Song from his album Blue Dog. We'll be hearing more of his music with his extraordinary voice over the coming weeks, so stay tuned. Ladies, it's been an absolute pleasure meeting you. We had a good time. Yes, awesome. Thanks for having us. Until next week, I've been Alex Shaw. I've been Tony Atkins. <laughs> I've been Elaine. And I've been Leah. Happy trails. We are the circus as it goes. Abandoning the magician And sometimes the white clown who blows Great big bubbles all full of screams So why should I sing another love song? Why should I sing another love song? Days go by like drunken ships Sails bloated full of souvenirs And here we lay with broken lips As the sun comes and disappears So why should I sing another love song? 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 It seems whenever someone goes There is something to understand And you wave to me on the road Victorian goodbyes little hand So why should I sing another love song? Why should I sing another love song? Why should I sing another love song? Why should I sing another song you sing, or just the heat inside your dog, I will be your lover king, or just the rhythm in the fog, I will be every song you sing, or just the heat inside your
Why should I sing another love song? Well, because Can't say penis again. Is that the rule? Oh, you, <laughs> you can say penis. We have no, I know. Right. We have no restrictions on body parts in this show. That's probably for the better because it almost <laughs> broke us to be unmarried gamers. <laughs> like, we had to, we had to kind of lean back from the mics every once in a while. Although you are right, not wearing pants for podcasting is good. See, I'm telling you, it's the best thing. It, it see, is. the it's, problem is obviously in the UK, pants to us mean means underwear. I mean, it's, <laughs> so it's trousers. So every time you say pants, I'm listening to the show, pants basically mean just sit there naked. Ah, that's better. That would be even more disturbing. Yeah, really, I know. I think. You showed up at the door without... No, we're not even going to have that Listen, conversation. I had You're asking like, us. Just chill. <laughs> not having that conversation. <laughs> so, you know, whenever you talk about... The, I've never seen a picture of this, Fox. You ever seen that Simpsons episode where Homer talks to the coyote voiced by Johnny Cash? It's kind of like that, only with a red bib with, with little hearts and scars on its face. I imagine him already. Yeah. Oh, and you're so made, Homer. And Luke you want to buy some leaves? I got you some leaves. <laughs> this is the good shit. Yeah. Uh, uh, video games. Video games. <laughs> All right, it's out of my system. I'm good now. Okay.